Oh, I didn't get booed. Oh, wait. Ah, oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> Thanks, I think. I don't know. I don't know exactly how to, re how to respond to that. Uh, how many of you guys had fun at the box sled blitz last night? That was, that is like a highlight for me every, every winter camp. And, and there was this moment as I was walking out to the box sled blitz. I don't know if any of you did this because you were probably so focused on surviving or maybe you were focused on broom hockey. Uh, but if at all last night you had an opportunity, if you looked up, it was totally clear. Any, any of you see the stars last night while we were out late? Okay, a bunch of you, good. Maybe when you're walking back to your cabin or whatever. How many of you, that was like, that's just a normal night for you and you're like, I always walk under starlight. Like that's, that's a normal thing. Okay, how many of you, that's kind of a rare experience? Maybe you're from more of the city area. Okay, me too. Uh, I'm just out of curi curiosity. How many of you have ever walked in the light of a sunrise? Like you were up early enough, you gotta, you gotta watch the sunrise and you walked in the light of the sunrise. Okay, how many of you have ever walked in the light of a sunset? Raise your hands. Okay, bunch of us. How many of you have ever walked under a street light? Okay, a, a, a bunch of us. Uh, how many have ever walked under the moonlight? Uh, no, you haven't. See, because the moon doesn't actually produce any light. This is science 101 right now. Uh, the moon actually just reflects sunlight. So you're not actually walking in moonlight when you're walking under the light of the moon. You're walking in sunlight that is just bouncing off of the moon and reflecting back to the earth. Does this make sense? The moon is dark. It doesn't, it doesn't produce light. It just reflects light, okay? And so when you walk in the moonlight, you're actually walking in the sunlight. And the reason I bring that up is because today I want to talk about what does it mean to be the church? What does it mean for those who last night, real quick, can we celebrate those who said yes to following Jesus last night? Those of you who said yes to following Jesus, you have now entered into this thing called the church. And the church is not a building, it's not four walls, it's not the seats or anything like that. Sometimes we think church is a building. Uh, church is not a building, it's a movement that you choose to be a part of to help other people meet, know, and follow Jesus. That's what the church is. Jesus says, I will build my church, and he's not talking about buildings, he's talking about people. And the job of the church is to learn to receive and then to reflect the light of Jesus. Kind of like what I have right here, this giant mirror. And you guys will see here as I just kind of move throughout the room here a little bit. Let's get this side of the room. Uh, you guys can see here, you guys are getting like blinded, right? Well, 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 yeah, welcome to what it's like standing up here this entire time, okay? Because all I'm doing right now is there's a bright light at the back of the room, and I'm just reflecting that light back to you. And the job of us as the church, ow, 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 this is, sorry, this is not supposed to be this entertaining. I just kind of want to do this for like an hour. Okay, um, we'll just leave this here right now. Hopefully nobody's getting blinded by it. But our job as the church, it's to learn to receive the love, the mercy, the grace that Jesus has shown us, but then to give it away to others. See, God's grace is 100% for you, but it's not only for you. 
And sometimes we think when it comes to following Jesus, the goal is to one day get into heaven. Like if I put my trust in Jesus, now I'm made right with God, right? We talked about that last night. So now when I stand before a holy God, he's gonna say, hey, I see the righteousness of Jesus. Welcome into the family and, and forever we'll be with God. And by the way, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, Revelation 21 says that one day when that day comes, he's gonna wipe every tear from our eyes. There's gonna be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. All of that's gonna be dead and gone. And Jesus says, behold, I'm making all things new. The Bible's not a beginning, middle, end story. It's a beginning, middle, new beginning story. And God's going to restore all that was broken in this world and will live forever with him in a new earth. And so that's the promise of the Bible. That's the hope that we have. But the goal is not just that you and I one day will get into heaven. The goal is that heaven would get into us. And through us, heaven would also get into the world around us. And let me explain what I mean by that. Jesus prays this prayer. He teaches us how to pray. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he's preaching the sermon. And in there, he teaches us how to pray. And if you've been around church, maybe you're familiar with this prayer. But in that prayer, it's, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, that we're praying, it's not about what we want, but God, would, would you allow the ways of heaven, would you allow the principles of who you are, God, your design, your original design, would you allow that to be true of me and then true in the world around us? God, may your kingdom come, not my will, but your will. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our job as the church is to learn to receive the love, the mercy, the grace, the ways of Jesus, and then to reflect those out into the world around us. Jonah, let's pick up where we left off. Jonah chapter four. Jonah's having a tough time with this concept. Jonah's all about receiving forgiveness. He's all about receiving God's grace. He's all about being rescued from the storm, being brought back to the land, but he doesn't want that for anybody else. He just wants that for himself. He, he wants grace just to be for him. He wants to receive it in his life and it's good for him, but he wants like justice and wrath for everyone else. And if I'm totally honest, sometimes there's, there's a little bit of that heart in me too. Like I want grace for me. Like I want, hey, give me the benefit of the doubt if I said something I shouldn't have or I did something I shouldn't have, show me grace. But if somebody does something wrong to me, all of a sudden I'm like, show them justice. Especially when I'm driving my car. Like if I cut somebody off, like there's a good reason, you know, something, you know, I'm, I, trying to get somewhere quickly, if somebody cuts me off, all of a sudden they're like a really bad person, you know what I mean? And like I'm just waiting for like, I would love for like a cop to show up and like pull them over all of a sudden and be like, justice. Not for me though. And I don't know if you can relate, but Jonah is exactly that way. He wants grace for himself, he wants justice for everybody else. So Nineveh, the whole, whole city repents. Jonah four, verse one. But to Jonah this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. That's a hard sentence, by the way. Jonah says, God, I knew you were gonna do this. I knew you were gonna give grace to these Ninevites. Isn't that what I told you, God? And this is why I ran away. And he's just, he's telling God, let me just, not, not have God just have to understand his heart. I'll just tell you, God, I was afraid you might do this. That's why I ran away. 
I knew that you were, listen to this description of God, because it is so true, it is so good, and Jonah totally is missing the point. He says, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. When we repent, God relents. Jonah goes, I knew you'd do that. God, I knew you'd be so gracious. God, I knew you were so loving. He says, now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. God, you're so good, you're so kind, you're so gracious, I wish I was dead. That's, that's basically what he's saying. He's very dramatic right now. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? God asks a really good question, and sometimes God asks rhetorical questions, sometimes Jesus asks rhetorical questions. I like to actually answer those questions. When there's a rhetorical question in the Bible, like, does he really have a right to be angry? The answer is no, he's received nothing but God's grace. Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. So he, he gets a front row seat. He goes, okay, God, they repented. I can't believe it. I hope, I hope this isn't going to end with your grace. I, I hope you fulfill that whole like, hey, you're going to be destroyed, Nineveh. So he gets a front row seat, and he's like, this is going to be cool. Maybe, I don't know, God's going to maybe bring fire down and like, or like a meteorite. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what he was expecting or, you know, some, something that was going to be really catastrophic. So he's just like sitting, waiting, like, oh, this is going to be good. They didn't have movies back then, so he's like probably got popcorn, you know, this is gonna be his entertainment. He's like, I wanna see the city destroyed. And so he's sitting there, he's waiting, he makes a little shelter, front row seat. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. So again, God's gonna provide some things here. Not to pay Jonah back, but to bring Jonah back. He's trying to get not just to the behavior of Jonah. Jonah did what God said to do, but his heart was in the wrong place. He didn't want God's grace to be shared with anybody else, and so God's now trying to turn his heart around. And so God provides this leafy, shady plant. Now, did Jonah deserve that leafy plant to grow up and to shade him? No. Did Jonah deserve that? No. That was by God's grace. God just offers him grace. God just did it out of his love, out of his compassion, and to teach him a valuable lesson here. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided also, notice all that God is providing here to bring Jonah back. God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. He, again, is very dramatic. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Jonah, did you earn the plant? Did you deserve the plant? The answer is no. It was by God's grace. And now all of a sudden Jonah feels like God owes him. God owes him grace in Jonah's heart and God owes the Ninevites wrath in Jonah's mind. And God says, no, I have grace for everybody. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, God loves you. That is the message of Jonah. That is the message of the Bible. And God doesn't allow tough things in our life so that he can pay us back, but so he can bring us back. God loves you. God pursues you. He's compassionate. He asks the question. God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? 
It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. Once again, he's just like, he's a really like overdramatic prophet in the Bible. Like he's very, you know, like roller coaster emotionally. And yet God continues to have compassion. Like if I were God in this story, I think probably when he got on the ship to go to Tarshish, I'd be like, okay, next person. And that would be the end of it. That would be the, the story of Jonah literally would be three verses long if I were in charge, but God's way more compassionate and gracious than I am. And God continues to show mercy, continues to show grace. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. In other words, Jonah, think about your priorities. And this is true for all of us right now. We need to think about not just, okay, what is our behavior, but what is our heart? Because maturity, following Jesus, maturity is not like how much do we know? It's not even necessarily like, okay, what, you know, did we check off all the boxes of like, oh, I was a really good person today or this week or whatever. Maturity in the Christian life is when our heart aligns with God's heart. That's maturity. And God's going, Jonah, you care more about this plant than anything else. You've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And here's a great question that God's gonna ask. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? God says, these people are clueless. They need my grace. They need somebody to go, Jonah. They need somebody to share about the grace of God. They need somebody to understand who I am. Jonah, you are the one that I am sending to be a part of what I'm doing in the world. Would you align your heart with my heart? Jonah, you're concerned about this plant and you don't care about 120,000 plus people. And then my favorite part of Jonah, he adds, and so many animals. And then that's it, that's the end of Jonah. God says, Jonah, don't you care about 120,000 people who are lost, who are clueless, who desperately need the grace of Jesus in their life? And their dogs too, like don't forget about the animals. I think God's a dog person. Doesn't say which animals, I'm just, you know, I just think maybe he is. Cat person, definitely not. I don't, I don't, I can't imagine God's a cat person. I'm just kidding, how many, how many here's, you're a cat person? All right, all right, know your audience, Robert. Okay, how many of you, your dog people? Oh, um, my people. Okay, I think, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe God loves all the animals. Okay, so he says, hey, what about all these people? What about all these animals? Maturity is when our hearts align with God's heart. At the very beginning of this weekend, Harrison stood up here and he shared this passage from Romans 10. Romans 10 verse 11 says, the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. That's God's grace. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then Paul writes this question immediately following verse 14. He says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. God's grace is for everyone. His desire is for everyone to experience that in their life. 
to receive God's love in their life. First, or 2 Peter 3, 9 says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And when we repent, God relents. God's desires that everybody would come to faith in him. God's desires that everybody would receive the grace, the love, the mercy of Jesus in their life. And maturity is when our heart, our desire matches with God's heart, God's desire. And so for us to be the church, not just to go to church, but for us to be the church means we need to care about what God cares about. We need to begin to see the world through the lens that God says, I want you to see the world through this lens. I care about everybody. Is there somebody in your life that you think, yeah, you know what, I want grace for me, but I want justice for that person? You don't have to say their name out loud or anything, and if they're in the room, definitely don't look at them right now, that'd be weird. But is there somebody that maybe you, you struggle with, it could be a family member, it could be somebody at school, it could be somebody, who, whoever, that you're like, you know what, I just want justice for them, I don't want them to experience God's grace. Would you be real just for a moment right now, just in your own heart and your own mind between you and God about that? Because it could be your heart's a little bit like Jonah's heart. And I believe God wants you to partner with him in what he's doing in the world. Remember, that was the original plan. God creates Adam and Eve and says, hey, let's, let's do this creative thing together. Let's bring order out of chaos together. And we rebelled, and yet God has pursued us. He hasn't abandoned that original plan. He wants us to partner with him in what he's doing in the world. He wants us to be a part of helping other people meet, know, and follow Jesus. For Jonah, all he had to do was show up, and he said eight words and a whole city repents. There's this moment in the Bible in John chapter four, Jesus is talking to this woman at, at the well. And he's talking about her life and, and he's, he's breaking all kinds of cultural like, norms at the time, talking to her and everything. And, and eventually he says, you know, I'm the, I'm the Messiah. Messiah in, in Hebrew means anointed one. In Greek we say Christ, Jesus Christ means Jesus, the anointed one, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the promised savior. All throughout the Bible, there's a promise of a coming Savior. In the Old Testament, the New Testament is looking back saying Jesus fulfilled that promise. When you say Jesus Christ, you're not saying like his last name is Christ. It wasn't that Mary Christ and Joseph Christ had Jesus Christ. It's a title. It means that he is the anointed one. He is the Savior, the rescuer. Jesus reveals to this woman that he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. She goes back to the town and she says to everybody in the town, hey town, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Christ? Could it be that he is the Christ? Could it be? I don't know, just, just come and see. And, and all she does is she invites him and, and here's what happens, the whole town shows up. And they put their faith in Jesus. And all she did was invite him. See, sometimes we overcomplicate. What does it mean to be the church, to, to allow God's grace to go out? Sometimes it's as simple as inviting friends. There are people God has put you in their lives. You have influence, every single person in this room. You have influence with somebody that nobody else in this room has influence with. Could it be that God's done that on purpose? Could it be that you are exactly where you are in this day and time, in this moment, with whatever that relationship is for what God wants to do in the life of that individual? Because God is working behind the scenes. We talked about that this weekend as well. And God's desires that everybody would come to faith in him. Could it be as simple as saying, hey, would you join me to ch at church? Hey, our youth group, we're doing this fun thing. Maybe you should come check it out. Would you, would you just come and see? 
In John chapter nine, Jesus heals this man who was born blind and, and he sends him down to the pool of Siloam to wash and he washes and on his way up, the religious leaders are like, we have theological questions for you. And they begin to question this guy and he's like, whoa, 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 I don't, I don't know all these theological answers. He just had this encounter with Jesus and he says, Here, here's what I do know. One thing I know, he says in John nine, I was blind and now I see. I was blind and now I see. For some of you, you came to camp this weekend and you were lost and now you're found. You were blind and now you see. You didn't know who God was and now you've received his love in your life. Listen, you have a story and that story has power. To go back and so, say to a friend, to say to a family member, just go, hey, you know what? God impacted my life. This weekend at camp, I put my trust in him. I received his grace into my life. And, and you don't have to overcomplicate it. Just go, man, I'm so excited about what's next. I experienced this change, this transformation in my life, and, and I just, I'm so excited to tell you about that. And listen, you never know what God might do by just simply sharing your story. Hey, I was, I was lost and I'm, I'm found. I was blind and now I'm, I see. You never know what God might do through a simple invitation. Hey, would you come with me to church? That's what it means to be the church. When I was in junior high school, I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want anything to do with church. And my parents had divorced, I was living with my mom and she really wanted me to go to church. Like she wanted that for me, I didn't wanna do it. And she said, hey, would you please go youth pastor? And, and I talked and he's like, hey, listen, you gotta come three times, three times. He said, but it has to be in a row. You gotta come three times in a row and if you skip one, it starts over. And then if you don't, if you don't connect or whatever, like fine, you can go do whatever. And I was like, I can go to youth group three times. And then I could just get out of, you know, going to youth group. I'll just go into the uh, adult service or whatever. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll check it out three times. And I went there the very first time. And as soon as I walked in, I didn't know anybody. And I'm like, this is exactly what I was afraid of. Which if ever you've been the new person somewhere, how many of you can recall being a new person somewhere where you're, you don't know anybody? You guys remember that feeling? Isn't that a terrible, terrible feeling? When you're like, I don't know. I don't, who am I gonna talk to? Like, are they gonna judge me? Am I gonna fit in? Like, that is such a terrifying feeling. And listen, people show up at your church and they have that feeling and you and I are totally unaware of it. But I remember walking in having that feeling and the second I walked in, I went, this is why I had that feeling. This is why I didn't wanna come. I didn't know anybody. And then there was this one kid, I'm sitting in the back. This one kid came up to me. I'll never forget, his name's Andy Harowitz. I haven't talked to him in decades. Andy Harowitz, he was one year older than me. So I'm in seventh grade, he's in eighth grade. He goes, hey man, do you wanna sit with me? Guys, that's not an earth-shattering question. That's not like, a, wow, what a, what a great evangelist he was, but let me tell you, it, it changed my world. Because in that moment, all of a sudden I went, okay, at least I know one person. And I was like, yeah, I'll sit with you. We didn't really talk about anything, I just had somebody to sit next to, and then at the very end of the service, he goes, hey man, I'll see you next week. And I left. And I came back, and Andy was there the next week, and then I met some other junior hires, and then I, I left, and I came back, and then I met more junior hires, and I have never left church since that moment of plugging in because Andy Harewood said, would you sit with me? Don't overcomplicate what it means to be the church. Don't overcomplicate what it means to reflect the love of God into the lives of others. Listen, here's what Jesus said. Treat people the way you wanna be treated. If you're brand new in an environment, you would want somebody to go, hey, would you sit with me? Hey, this is my, a little bit of my story, this is, this is who I am. Hey, let me introduce you to my friend. That's what you would want. Sometimes we way overcomplicate. What does it mean to be the church? 
So many people are longing for more. They're running from God, not realizing that what they're running from is actually what they're looking for. And we have an opportunity to say, hey, come and see. Join me. Hey, let me tell you just a little bit of my story. When somebody shows up, just to offer them the grace, the love that you would wanna be offered if you were in their shoes. And you never know what God might do through these simple invitations. Paul says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Here's my challenge for us as we wrap up our, our teaching time through the, the account, the story of Jonah. I just wanna know, as, as you're looking at this, are, are you willing to go, God, I'm gonna align my heart with your heart. I'm gonna take a step in maturity. I'm, I'm gonna invite somebody, or I'm gonna share my story, or I'm gonna show the love and the grace. Because Paul says, how are any people gonna know? How are they gonna receive the grace of God in their life if nobody reflects that to them? Like the moon reflects the sun, like the mirror was reflecting that light. How, how are people gonna receive that if nobody's going out and, and sharing that? Let's be the church. Let's be willing to be uncomfortable. Unlike Jonah who wasn't willing. Let's be willing to step out in faith, to trust the God who sends us, the God who's invited us in to join him in the work that he's doing. And let's answer Paul's question in Romans 10 and say, you know what, I'll go. Because he says, who's gonna go? And it doesn't mean you have to get up and like leave or like go somewhere else, but like, like to actually just have that heart of like, no, I'm, I'm gonna be for other people. Do you know the church is not for us, by the way? The church is for, for them, for those who aren't yet part of us. The church is a movement we choose to be a part of to help them receive the grace of God in their lives. And so here's what I wanna invite you to do. If you're here right now and you're like, you know what, Robert, I'm ready to take this step in faith. I'm ready to not just go to church, I'm ready to be the church and I'm ready to align my heart with God's heart, which all through Jonah, it's been his heart is for those who are lost. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Last night we had people stand up and declare Jesus is Lord. Here's what I want you to do. If that's you and you're like, you know what? I am gonna take a step. I'm gonna invite somebody. I'm gonna share my story. I'm gonna intentionally reach out to the new person in the youth group. I'm gonna do something to not go to church, but to be the church. Here's what I wanna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to stand up and I'm gonna ask you to answer the question and just say, I will go. I will go. When Paul asked the question, who's gonna, who's gonna go? Who's gonna, who's gonna share the good news? Who's gonna be a part of spreading the grace of God in the world around us? If you would just, on the count of three, be willing to do that, would you stand up right where you are and just declare, I will go, and I'm gonna pray for you? If that's you and you're like, you know what, I'm taking that step, today's the day. Maybe your heart's been misaligned, you've been running from God, and you're like, you know what? Yeah, I put my faith in Jesus a long time ago, but I have been running, I'm gonna turn back and get on mission with what God wants. This is a time for you to stand up as well. And the rest of us, we're gonna celebrate with you. So if that's you on the count of three, just say out loud, declare it to God, I will go. One, two, three. Awesome, awesome. Keep standing. And you guys know the drill. Those of you who are sitting around them right now, again, in a not weird, creepy way, but just in a, in a way that we're all in this together, would you just reach out a hand towards them, put a hand on a shoulder? 
And would you guys pray with me? You guys can pray in your own hearts and minds. I'll pray out loud, Father, for each person who's standing up. God, for those who have declared, God, that they will go, God, I pray that they would be faithful to wherever it is you would lead them, to whatever conversation it is you want them to have, whatever invitation you want them to make. Maybe there's somebody that, God, you've put on their, on their mind that doesn't yet know you, that hasn't yet received, God, your grace in their life. God, I pray that you would use those standing all around this room to unlike Jonah, not to run from your calling, but to step into it and to be the church. God, may they be a light that's reflected all throughout their world. It may not just be their light of, of who they are, God, may it be your light reflected through them. God, may they experience and receive your grace in new ways. I pray that Holy Spirit, you would fill them with a boldness and with a clarity on what steps you would have them take and that they would be obedient to trust and to follow you. And God, for all of us, not just to go to church, but to be the church, to align our heart with your heart, to reflect your grace in a world that desperately needs it, that's so full of darkness. God, help us to be light. In Jesus' name, amen.